Hello and welcome. Thank you all for joining again this week. It is September the 2nd, 2022, as I'm recording this. It's a Friday and ahead of the Labor Day weekend. So I'm going to keep this one short for you all. I know you probably have a lot going on. want to focus on one conversation, and that's grain stocks. And in the past, we've updated this idea, this article, about once a year. And I was thinking about it the other day. Brent called me and said, hey, what's going on with this data point? Any chance you could take a look at it? And even had a reader indirectly ask about it as well. So when two or three people suggest something, we bump to the top of the list. And as you all know, grain stocks are tight. We've talked about this in the past, both corn and soybeans in the U.S., according to the Wadsley Report, are below the long-run trend. But this is kind of a tree-by-tree situation, and it's easy to miss the forest. And for a lot of us in our thinking and in our planning, especially in our marketing plans, as we think about 2023 and, and maybe even what 2024 might look like, it's hard to sort of reconcile what's the latest WASI going to say and what's the trade expectations and how might that change long-run picture? What's the overall picture. So what we want to do is update that long-run picture. We want to help you, all the listeners and subscribers of AEI Premium, think about the big picture. And the big picture is that it's tight across all commodities. It's tight across all commodities in the US, but also globally. And so let's take a look at that data. And we'll talk about the implications of that. First off, I want to say I'm sharing the screenshots. I encourage you to go read this. But the way we do this, I think we're the only ones who do this. We're the first ones to definitely do it. But what we do is we look at the 13 primary principal crops in the U.S., also around the world. And what we do is we convert ending stocks. So bushels of corn, bushels of soybeans, bushels of wheat, bales of cotton, all of these different units of measure. So not only are the units of measure different, but also it doesn't make sense to add bushels of corn and bushels of soybeans because of the different magnitudes or the different quantities of production. What we do is we take all those different units and we divide that by a yield and we get acres. So we have acres of corn stocks, acres of soybean stocks. And so it's an acre equivalent measure. What we're able to do with that number is we can add up. So now like, okay, we have X million acres worth of ending stocks equivalent for corn, and we have a similar number for soybeans, and we can start to add that up over time. We can actually compare that across time. And what we can see is that the US right now has right about 30 million acres worth of ending stocks. Now, that number on the surface doesn't tell us a whole lot, but history provides us a lot of context. And so just a couple of years ago, in 2021, we had 33 million acres worth of stock. So we wrote this article back in January. We said 33 million acres. It's pretty low on the historic side of things. We're now at 30 million with the current estimates for 2022. It could change, but a tight stock situation is getting even tighter. And this is the big picture forest store in the U.S. Regardless of what's happening with corn, regardless of what's happening with soybeans, regardless of what's happening in cotton specifically, when you aggregate those all up, you can start to tell the big picture story. And why is the big picture story so important here? Well, it's because when we have a tight corn situation, how the difficulty, the economic incentives that have to line up to solve that ultimately depend on what the stock situation looks like more broadly. So 
if soybeans are sufficient, if cotton is sufficient or abundant, if wheat is abundant, a corn shortage gets fixed really easily because we swap these abundant acres for corn and it resolves itself very quickly. However, if a tight corn situation and a tight soybean situation occurs when everything else is tight, it takes a huge supply response. We might have to bring in new acres around the world to actually respond to that. And we'll talk about that more here at the global level. But just helping you think about it's all relative. Uh, how significant corn stocks being below average is relevant to what's happening in the broader market. If the broader market's tight, which is the case, it takes more time to solve the corn supply situation because we can't simply swap acres around. Everything's tight. Everything was bidding for acres here in 2022. And we anticipate that to be the story going into 2023. Everything is relatively tight. Everything is going to be bidding acres. It's going to be hard to see this situation quickly resolve itself. A big crop, more global acres, that will resolve it, but it's not going to be quickly solved with shuffling acres from one crop to the next. Now, let's talk about this a little more context. 60 million acres, that's where the acre equivalent stocks were just in 2018. That was a high. That was the highest levels we'd seen since the late 1980s. And that's what we saw during the trade war. So we have swung the pendulum pretty hard in a short period of time from kind of unbear unbelievably high for most of our careers to one of the tightest in our careers. I do want to point out there were 30 million acres today. We hit a low previously of 28.7 in 2013 and 25.4 in 1995. So it's one of the tighter situations, not the tightest. Again, I took a small detour through the weeds in this article, and I just want to point out that a huge piece of this tightening story between 2021 and 2022 in the U.S. is the cotton story. I want to just plant that nugget because I think over the next few months, a lot of you don't plant cotton, but cotton will be at the forefront of this acreage debate, I believe, at this point heading into 2023. Now, we can look at the world situation we looked at it on a total acre basis. And as you can see, it's tightened over the last few years with about 600 million acres worth of ending stocks globally. If you go back to most of the 2000s, we saw something much lower, around 400 million. Now, there are two very specific reasons why this measure is a bit challenging to wrap our minds around. The first one is the world plants more acres today than it did 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. We've had acreage expansion. So 600 million would have been a big, big number when the ag factory was smaller, but the ag factory has expanded. So now 600 million, it needs to be sort of in a relative measure. The second thing that AEI premium readers know about, we've talked about a lot, is China holds a huge amount of global ending stocks. And in general, those exports aren't available for trade. Those stocks aren't available for trade. China's a net importer. We don't expect those to be available for global trade. And so what we wanted to do is provide an updated look. So we said, okay, let's take out China stocks. It's not a perfect measure. It's still not perfect, but it's probably less flawed than looking at all those stocks, including China's. And then of course, the next piece we did is we looked at those acres relative to the number of acres harvested globally. So this gives us a relative share of stocks available for trade relative to the size of the global factory. One point I want to make out is China holds 
roughly half of the acre equivalent stocks around the world. This is huge. It's been a big upswing just in the last 10 years. It's been one of these recent phenomena that doesn't necessarily get talked about a lot, but you can follow the links in the article and you can find that more. So what does this world less China crop ending stocks on an acre equivalent share of harvested acre basis look like? That's a mouthful for even economists, but we had to write this title very, very carefully. Well, we've dipped below 13%. And I think 13% is not the relative metric here, but it's the lowest level that we have seen going back to 2000. Even in 2012, we were above that 13% thresholds, somewhere around 13.5%. So we're somewhere now closer to 12.7, 12 12.8%. So the global situation is tight as well. It's tight across all commodities. And again, to wrap this up, this tells us that we're not going to be able to simply have exports from Brazil offset U.S. production issues. This is not a drought of 2012 where we're going to sort of move grain from different parts of the world. That will still be going on. There would be still relative surpluses and relative shortages. But the big story here is that we can't simply swap acres globally or amongst commodities to solve this issue. And so that's why we think the global acreage expansion will continue to be in effect, and this is going to be potentially one of the positive stories as to why the farm economy could have a positive story moving forward. Of course, mother nature, geopolitics, a lot of things outside of production, agriculture, and yields will have a huge impact on this. But just wanted to you know, set the stage how this is looking. Now, I will say there is no reason why we as ag economists don't anticipate there to be ample supplies in the future. We expect this to eventually solve itself. We anticipate that we will move from an era of tight supplies today to an era of sufficient or even burdensome. It was not that long ago where we were wondering, what are we going to do with all these ending stocks in the US or around the world? You saw in the charts how quickly that swung in four or five years, how that narrative has shifted. And so we anticipate the global acreage expansion, which is already underway, will continue to resolve this supply issue. We also think usage because of the high prices will start to work its way through the equation as well. So we'll see how the, all this plays out. But again, thinking about the forest and moving some, adding up all the trees to try to understand the density of the forest. And it points to a tight situation here in the US, but also globally. And I think that could take some time to resolve, but in the long run, it will resolve itself. Again, that's kind of a deep dive on one specific topic. Encourage you to check out the website. Think about your Labor Day weekend, how you're going to invest that, and encourage you to at some point over the weekend or in your work week, dive back into the website, update your forecasts. Of course, the yield challenge is still going on, but also update your forecast on the other topics and read our latest content. Until next time, stay curious. 